Luke chapter 5. been said that a visionary is somebody who helps people see what they can't see so that they would be who they never thought they could be. And it's NHL hockey playoff time, and I've got that on my mind. In my opinion, ice hockey is the best sport that there is. And in my, thanks, we got some excited ice hockey fans, and in my opinion, There are few ice hockey visionaries like Herb Brooks. Herb Brooks was the coach of the 1980 men's Olympic hockey team, and he trained and led that team to win a gold medal, defeating on their way the world's best Soviet hockey team. And in a pregame speech that Kurt Russell enacts for us, which if you haven't seen the movie Miracle, like watch it today. And especially watch that clip. Like nine times out of ten, I'm like weeping as he's giving a speech to his team. But essentially what he's doing in that moment is saying, guys, I want you to see something. I want you to see before you the moment that you have. For 60 minutes, the entire world's eyes are going to be on you. I want you to see that because I want you to go out there now and I want you to be the world's best hockey team. I want you to go out there and defeat the Soviets and be the very best hockey team in this entire world. That's a visionary. He's helping people to see what they normally can't see so that they would be who they never thought they could be. Church, I am convinced that that is the same for Christianity. If we are going to be the people that God has called us to be and made us to be, we have to first see the One whom God has sent for us to see. That's what Luke 5 is all about. So let's read God's Word together. Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 1. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, that's Jesus, pressing in on Jesus, to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gesenaret, which is the Sea of Galilee. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little bit from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Now get, get the scene in your mind here. Okay, we're on a fishing town on the coast of the Sea of Galilee, and there are tons of people there this morning. Tons of people because they know that Jesus has been in the area, and He's preaching, and He's healing people. They've mobbed to see this Jesus. And so Jesus sees Peter and his buddies there coming off the night shift from fishing and says, hey, let me borrow your boat. I want to talk to these people. Verse 4. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, 
We have toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Lord, I pray once again that you would open our eyes, that we may see you as you truly are, so that we would be the people that you have made us to be. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So if we're going to be the people that God has called us to be, we have to first see Jesus for who he truly is. And so my argument this morning is that your and my seeing and savoring Jesus Christ is your and my top priority. Seeing and savoring Jesus Christ is your and my top priority. We've got to see Him. We've got to savor Him if we're going to truly be the people that God has called us to be. Now here's the problem. So often in our lives, the stress and the burdens just of normal everyday lives threaten to eclipse Jesus from us. So often, the pains and the trials and the tribulations that we go through, they're like shades. They, they, they block our view from who Jesus is. So often, the sin and the temptation that we are struggling with in our lives they blind us. They, they eclipse Jesus from us. So often the distractions of this world that are constantly bombarding us on a moment-by-moment -moment basis are eclipsing Jesus. So it's like a solar eclipse when we go outside and all of us are looking straight into the sun, even though you're still not supposed to do that when there's an eclipse. But we're staring straight into the sun and thinking, it's not that bright. And friends, I'm concerned. I'm concerned for myself and I'm concerned for us as a church. I'm concerned for you, my friends, that we're looking at Jesus and we're saying, He's not that bright. He's not that compelling. He doesn't capture my heart the way He once did. I'm being eclipsed by all of these things in my life and I don't quite see Him clearly. And so I assume he's not truly that great. We're not seeing. We're not savoring. And undoubtedly, that's having an effect on every one of our lives. God knows this. And God loves us. And God is gracious. And God is merciful. And God gives us Luke chapter 5. Because God wants us afresh to see and to savor Jesus Christ. And so, 
That's our top priority. Seeing and savoring Jesus Christ is our top priority. And if we're going to do that, I believe we need to pay attention to two traits that we see in Peter right here. Peter shows us trust, and he shows us honesty. That's what I want to look at this morning. Trust and honesty. First Peter's trust. After Jesus teaches the crowds, he turns to Peter and he says, Peter, put the nets back out in the water. Now, can't just put yourself in Peter's shoes for a second. Can't you picture something like this? Hey, man, all due respect, Jesus, you obviously know your Bible really well. And look at the crowds. Like, you can obviously preach the lights out. These people are hanging on every single one of your words. You might even be a half-decent carpenter. But you're in my boat now. You're in my world now. I have been fishing my entire life. And I'm telling you, I've been out all night at this, and there's nothing out there. So I'll let you preach from my boat, Jesus, but I'm trying to go home now and get some rest. Can't you picture Peter thinking along those lines? I wonder how many times in my life I fail to see who Jesus truly is because I still think I'm the one in charge. I'm concerned that too often you don't see who Jesus truly is because you often think you're the ones in charge. I mean, isn't that why we get all bent out of shape when things in our lives don't go our way? Now, we would never say this. We would never say this, but we act sometimes as if, Jesus, you are along for the ride, so I'm planning out my days. I'm planning out my months. I'm planning out my years. I'm not truly consulting you. In fact, if I'm honest, you're along for the ride to bless all of my plans and to fulfill all of my expectations. And so when those aren't being fulfilled and my expectations aren't being met, I'm exploding in anger. Jesus' simple trust teaches us a better way. Verse 5 says, but at your word, I'll let down the nets. I don't understand Jesus. I might not agree. I might even be half-hearted in my obedience here. Like, okay, I'll put them out, but I doubt anything's really going to happen. I'll simply trust you, though. I'll simply trust and do what you're asking me to do. Look at the result that Peter sees. Peter sees Christ for who he truly is. Specifically, Peter sees the power of Jesus. Now, some no doubt are going to have a problem with this miracle. Like, really? Do you really expect me to believe that just at Jesus' words to let down the net, there are, there's such a large catch of fish that boats are sinking? Really? This is where knowing other parts of our Bible are helpful to us. So when we read in Colossians chapter 1 that Jesus is the creator of everything. So from the furthest galaxy and the massive planets and the stars, things that we can't even get our minds around, to the smallest molecule right now in your body, Jesus made it 
all. And he made it from nothing. It wasn't like there was raw material that he used to get things in motion. No, he spoke from nothing and everything came into existence. And so if you see Jesus for who he truly is as the creator, then it's not a stretch to think and to believe that whenever he wants, he can so manipulate and so change and so alter his creation to reveal who he is. That's not hard for Jesus to do if we see Him for who He truly is. That's what He's doing here. He's manipulating and changing His natural creation to do something supernaturally to show Peter who He is. He's revealing Himself to Peter here. Peter's seeing Jesus for who He really is. Now, stories uh, of... Simple trust and obedience are all throughout the Bible, right? Just think of one of them. So God calls Israel into the promised land to take the city of Jericho. And he says, here's your battle plan. March around the city seven times and make a lot of noise. Come again? Like That doesn't sound like a real strong battle plan, God. But what do the people do? They simply trust and obey, and the walls come down. That's what Peter's doing here. He doesn't understand it all. He doesn't comprehend it all. He doesn't, this isn't normal, but he's simply trusting and obeying what Jesus says, and he sees the power of Christ. Do you want to see the power of Jesus more in your life? I do. I need to see his power at work more in my life. So it's fair to simply ask yourself the question, where is Jesus calling me simply to trust Him and to obey? Where is He doing that right now? Let's just start with some of the basics. We know that Jesus calls us as His followers to be people of prayer. Like He he exemplifies that. He calls His disciples to pray. What if we did that? What if we honestly prayed more before we launched into decision-making, before we went about our day, before we started to make plans? What if we simply consulted Him more in prayer and just said, Lord, I don't know. This is kind of what I'm going to do and this is how I'm going to move forward, but direct me, lead me, help me. I don't see things the way you see things. What if we prayed more? I think we would see God powerfully directing our lives more and more. Let's start with another basic. What about being people of His Word? We know that disciples are called to be men and women of this book. But if you're anything like me, life is really busy, and so it's so easy to justify, I don't got time to spend in this book. But what if we trusted Christ and we said, okay, all of the things on my to-do list that are stressing me out right now that I need to turn my attention to, that I don't feel like I can have any substantial time in your word, I'm going to trust you with that and I'm going to spend however much time I have in your word. I'm going to trust you. I think we would see Jesus' power more at work handling those things that are stressing us out because we're meditating on his truth. Or fellowship. We know Jesus calls us as his followers to live life in community. But let's say you're someone who really struggles with social anxiety. Like, I can't enter this room and don't even ask me to talk 
because it's just enough to get out my door and get into a group of people. I'm so anxious right now, and this is so hard. What if you simply trusted Christ and plugged into some type of small group, some type of body of Christians, some fellowship of believers where you can not only go to be served, but you can go looking to serve other peoples and watch that anxiety start to plummet as God gives you power to do what He's called you to do. Like, let's just start with the basics. If we really want to see Christ for who He is and see His power at work in our lives, simply trusting and obeying is what Peter models for us. Now, admittedly, I like the massive catch of fish, boats, sinking kind of power. Don't you? Like, sign me up for that power. But if church history is anywhere accurate, Peter and his wife were both executed for their faith. What's that? What enables a man and a woman to go to their painful death because of Jesus? That's power. That is keeping, sustaining, almighty power. And so if you're here this morning wondering, how in the world am I going to make it? Like, how am I going to get through this? How am I going to, as a Christian, go all the way, go the distance for Jesus? Friends, don't underestimate the keeping power of Christ. See, His power is not only demonstrated in the fish sinking boat type of power. His power is demonstrated. How do you and I think we've gotten to where we are right now? Why are we the people that we are today? Why do you know who Jesus is? Why do you worship Him this morning? Why have you come this far? It's because Jesus is operating right now with His power in your life. Don't undervalue that. And when you doubt if you're going to get to the end, you don't have to doubt because of who is in control of your life. His keeping, sustaining, almighty power, He's going to get you there. So when we keep on trusting, when we keep on simply obeying, when we keep on seeing, we'll savor. And as we savor, we'll be the people that Jesus has called us to be. So first we learn from Peter's trust. Second, pay attention to Peter's honesty. His honesty. Now after this massive catch of fish, and I don't know in today's world how much money this would generate, but it's a lot of money. It's like, take Jesus to work with you tomorrow and you just land this huge customer or client, or you just close this huge deal. And how would you respond? I know how I would respond. I'd be on the phone with Vicky saying, baby, we are going out tonight. You're not cooking. I don't know what the kids are going to do, but you and I are going out and having fun. We just got a load of money. And that's from the story, that's how it seems maybe some of Peter's co-workers were responding. Not Peter. When the camera pans to Peter, he's on his knees begging Jesus to leave him alone. 
Does that seem odd? What is going on here? This summer, we went to explore a fort, an old fort on the New England coastline. And we were underground for over an hour at least. It's buried on the coast. It's buried under tons and tons of concrete and land. And when we came back outside, it was hard to adjust initially to the light because we were in the darkness for so long. Pitch darkness, like you couldn't see your hand in front of your face dark. I mean, you, you've had this experience before. You go to the movies in the middle of the day, you come back outside, and it's like, it's hard. That's a little bit of what's happening right now in Peter's life. He's coming into the very presence of God. He's literally looking into the face of God. He's seeing Jesus for who He truly is. And when he sees God for who he truly is, he's immediately aware, I don't line up. I don't measure up. I cannot stand to be in your presence. You are completely perfect. And this isn't Peter saying, you know, I've told a lie here and there. Or you you busted me, Jesus. I really haven't been going to synagogue much. I've got to get back there. That's not what Peter's saying here. He's saying, Lord, go away from me. I am a sinner. I am completely unwilling and unable to meet God's standards. And it's so painful right now because there's such a contrast. There's such a contrast between who you are and what you call me to and who I am and how how far I fall short. He's coming into the very presence of Almighty God. And he's seeing himself honestly, maybe for the first time. Now, what is his honesty met with? The end of verse 10. Do not be afraid. The same response that every man gets when God graciously reveals himself in the Bible. Do a study on that response. And you will see that every time one of God's chosen people encounters Him for who He truly is, they're flat on their face and God's words to them are, do not be afraid. God is revealing Himself to Peter here. Peter, I'm not here to destroy you. I'm here to help you. Peter, I am not here to condemn you. I am here to cleanse you. Peter, I know that you're unwilling and I know that you're unable, but I am willing and I am able to do everything required by God to save you. Peter encounters the mercy of Christ. Don't you love him for this church? Who do you know? Who do you know that can put his finger put his finger right into the most shameful, most deeply sinful, most horrific things that you have thought or said and done. And at the same time, there was nobody you would rather be with than him. Who else is like that? It's like the woman at the well in John chapter 4. 
Jesus tells her all the bad things that she's ever done. And what does she say to the people in town? You've got to meet this guy. You're going to love him. He's told me all the bad things I've ever done in my life. Come see him. You've got to meet this guy. He's awesome. Who is that? Who does that? Who do you know that can put his finger on your sin? And yet at the same time, there was no place else in this entire world that you would rather be than in his presence. Are you seeing him? Church, he is to be seen and savored. His mercy is unlike anything that this world has to offer. Honesty leads sinners to say, I am unwilling and I am unable. Jesus, because you are willing and because you are able, I am putting my trust in you. And everything we celebrated last week is what Peter is going to see. Jesus is going to go into Jerusalem. He's going to die on a Roman cross. He's going to rise again from the dead. That's why Peter is able to hear from Jesus, don't be afraid. My mercy is going to come to you because I'm going to satisfy all of God's demands for you. I've told you guys before that I was expelled from the private high school that I went to because I was involved in drug use. And I still remember vividly all day long when they called me down to the office and the headmaster and the principal and the assistant principals were questioning me and trying to figure out what they were going to do with me. And I can remember at the end of the day, the principal saying to me, what time does your mom and dad get home so that I can call them and let them know what's going on. And I just looked at the principal and I said, please, let me tell my dad. Honesty was a big deal for my father. And he always taught us. I don't know why, I don't know why this sticks with me, but he always said to me, Jason, no matter how bad it gets, I want to hear about it first from you. I don't want to hear it from somebody else. I want to know from you. And no matter how bad it was, no matter what kind of trouble I got into, no matter what I had done, it always went well for me or better for me if I told my father directly. Friends, I think that that's what God our Father is calling us to do. I want to hear it first from you. I want your honesty. I don't want you hiding from me. I don't want you pretending as if I can't see what's going on in your life. I want to hear it first from you. And when we're honest with Christ and we're honest with God, this is the mercy that we encounter from Him. Don't you want that mercy? I want to see it. I want to savor it. I want to worship Christ because He's merciful and He's gracious. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love. And when I draw near to Him with simple trust and simple honesty, this is the one whom we see and savor again and again and again. Let me have the band return, please. See, Peter's story is supposed to be representative of every Christian's story, every man and woman's story. That's how Luke intends to use this story. He's helping us to see Jesus for who He truly is so that we can be the people that God has called us to be. Notice what Jesus does here. He completely changes Peter's identity. Peter, you 
You once thought of yourself, you once identified yourself as a fisherman. Not any longer. You're my disciple now. And now I'm going to train you to catch men. Peter doesn't know that he's talking about evangelism right here. He's changing Peter's identity. Peter doesn't know all of what Jesus has for him. Peter doesn't even fathom the things that Jesus is going to call him to do and empower him to do. Peter just knows that he's seen, he's seen, and he is savoring this one who is unlike anybody else. And what do they do? They leave everything and follow him. That's why I'm saying seeing and savoring Christ, that's our top priority, friends. Because if we're seeing and savoring Christ, the natural outflow is going to be, we'll do what he's calling us to do. He's worthy of that. I'll leave everything and follow that kind of person. We've got to see before we can be. Let's return now to worship this one that we know and love, our Savior Jesus, that we might see him and save him once again. <laughs>